The Falcons may not be facing the Bengals starters on Friday night, but what do we want to see from their starters when they take the field? You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another illustrious episode of the Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And you guys know me as your humble host, Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Sirius Black, a.k.a. Mr. Drew. My friends call me Negative Nancy, but you can call me Mr. Drew. But if you want to be one of my friends, become an everydayer and you can do so by subscribing are following for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. So today's episode, we'll be talking a lot about Arnold Epichetti, Jalen Mayfield, and sort of what our expectations are for those guys. Is Epichetti poised for the breakout year that we've been talking about for months? No, maybe not, based off of some things I saw in the Dolphins game. And, you know, Jalen Mayfield made big improvements, according to many. We'll break that down. We'll, you know, pump the brakes on that. But first, we'll talk a little bit about this upcoming matchup on Friday night against the Cincinnati Bengals, talking about sort of some of the things that I'll be focused on. We've heard from people like Adnan Ikic. We'll be hearing from Jarvis Davis and others throughout the week of what they want to see. But I'll at least have the opportunity to share mine. You may notice if you're checking us out on YouTube that I am at a different location than usual. That is thanks to uh, my power being out. So we will power through on today's episode and get right into that conversation on terms of what we can expect to see on Friday night. And I reached out to the locked on Bengals guys to sort of ask, you know, are the Bengals going to play their starters on Friday night? Because last summer they basically did not play their starters. They did play, I think, Dax Hill in week one against the Cincinnati Bengals. But according to uh, my good buddy, Jake Lisko, one of the co-hosts of locked on Bengals, he said he expected minimal to none uh, snaps for the Bengals starters on Friday night. And so does that change our expectations for the Atlanta Falcons if they're going to be facing their starters are going to be facing the Bengals backups? And, you know, does that mean Arthur Smith will be less inclined to play the Falcons starters for extended reps on Friday night because, uh, you know, the Bengals w- will not be playing theirs? Maybe we'll see. Right. And I think a lot of that may depend on just how the Falcons starters you know, start the game. If they come out and look good, you know, for two series, then maybe Arthur Smith will pull the plug at that position. You know, we speculated last week that we would thought we would see at least a series against the uh, Dolphins for the Falcon starters. We did not get that and thought we would get maybe a quarter against the Bengals. We'll see if that is the case, but who knows at this point in time, And given some of the injuries that the Falcons have been dealing with, some of the soft tissue issues that they've been dealing with all week long, you know, maybe Arthur Smith is a little bit more inclined to pull back to make sure that everybody can stay healthy for week one, which is, you know, what ultimately matters. But, you know, it will be important for the Falcons to get off to as good a start as they can against the Bengals on Friday night. It would be nice to see the Falcons offense, you know, looking like a well-oiled machine. And again, something that you've heard me talk about on this podcast over the last couple of weeks that, you know, that may take some time. We've seen the last two seasons going into the regular season that the Falcons offense didn't really get going until like week three, week four. Uh, And I expect that. I think that's just kind of a byproduct of, you know, dealing with less preseason time, less practice time. You know, it takes a couple of weeks to get things going. We know the run game should be 
pretty good, like we saw in week one last year against the Saints. But the passing game may take a couple of weeks, but it will be nice if this passing game, you know, looks good against the Bengals on Friday night. We know, you know, Arthur Smith already commented on sort of what he expects and what he wants to see is just basic execution. We know in the preseason teams run relatively vanilla things, right? They're not running too many exotic things. Arthur Smith commented on this earlier this week in one of his pressers after practice. And, you know, based off of that, you know, you want to see the Falcons execute the vanilla version of their offense, which is going to be probably a lot of early down running, right? Keep the offense on schedule so that they can get into passing situations that are manageable, third and manageable. And hopefully you'll see Desmond Ritter out there taking his first passes as the Falcons starter and executing on those third downs, completing passes, moving the chains. And hopefully the Falcons will put together some decent drives and hopefully they will come away with, you know, seven points as opposed to three points if they are able to do that. Defensively, you know, you just want to see sort of what this defense looks like with the starters. We saw a very aggressive unit last week with the backups uh, against the Dolphins. Will that continue this week uh, against the Bengals? Will we see the blitzing? Will we see the simulated pressures that Ryan Nielsen had? We saw a lot of man coverage last week. Again, a, a vanilla simplified version of the Falcons defense um, from last week. And will we see more of that with the starters? And I'm also be curious to see who will be playing with those starters and speaking specifically about Arnold Evichetti because I saw some things in that Dolphins game that makes me a little less inclined to, you know, be buying the hype that, you know, myself and, and so many others have been pushing all off season long in the summer that, okay, this is a potential breakout year for Arnold McKinney. He could be a guy that potentially with, you know, a big runway to make plays this year. It could be, you know, an eight, 10 sack guy if he has the type of season, but there were certain things that I saw in that Dolphins game that gives me a little bit of pause, and we'll get into what exactly those things are as we continue today's Locked on Falcons. Now, guys, I have been a proud member of the Bald Brotherhood for a number of years, but maybe you are sitting there reluctant to join the Brotherhood at this point in time, and you should check out Nutrafil, which is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth with visible thickness and visible scalp coverage. Nutrafil's hair growth supplements use physician-formulated natural science-backed ingredients. Their drug-free patented technology provides you with consistent, reliable results. Just go to Nutrafol.com slash men to take their hair health wellness quiz, identify, you know, what are the causes of your hair thinning, and they'll give you a personalized plan for better health growth and health through whole body wellness. It's going to provide you with support, basically attacking the root causes of hair thinning, such as stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, metabolism through whole body health. And it works in a clinical study, 84% of men shown improvement in in their hair after six months of taking Nutrafol's men's hair growth supplements. And you can take that first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair for a limited time. Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off their first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com slash men and enter the promo code LOCKEDONNFL. Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com slash men spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com slash men and enter that promo code locked on NFL. That's neutral.com slash men promo code locked on NFL. So one of the questions I had from many folks coming out of that Dolphins game is why is Arnold Evicetti playing in the fourth quarter? Now, I don't think that is 
as big an issue. Um, you know, that's circumstances. We'll get into exactly what circumstances prompted Arnold Epichetti to play a lot in the fourth quarter alongside D'Angelo Malone. But to me, the bigger issue that I saw in that Dolphins game that gives me pause about all the breakout potential for Arnold Epichetti now in year two and hoping to see that big year two jump for him as a pass rusher is how much snaps he was getting on special teams. And initially I was kind of thinking, well, maybe this is just a emergency option. They just want to sort of cross train him to give him those opportunities. But, you know, we, we discussed all summer long that, you know, I didn't see D'Angelo Malone having a big role on the Falcons defense because of uh, what they, um, you know, how many bodies they had with Lorenzo Carter and Bud Dupree. And we would likely see D'Angelo Malone on defense or on special teams this season rather than a lot on defense. But what's notable is both Malone and Abiketti both got the same number of special teams uh, snaps playing both on kickoff and punt coverage against the Dolphins. And I would imagine if the Falcons were intending, as so many of us, myself included, thought Ebiketti would do was playing, you know, 25, 35 snaps a game to rush the quarterback and be one of their primary pass rushers this year, one of their top four guys, you know, they wouldn't be quote unquote wasting his time on special teams. And so I'll be curious on Friday night against the Bengals, will we see Ebiketti getting some of that work with the starters for however long they play? You know, let's imagine they play two series. Are we going to see Ebiketti on those two series in the first quarter, or are we not going to see Arnold Ebiketti on the field until the backups come in in the second quarter or something like that? And so, you know, you wonder, okay, if Arnold Ebiketti is not going to be that primary edge rusher for the Falcons, you know, alongside Grady Jarrett, David Onyemata, and Calais Campbell, right, who is going to be that guy? And presumably that is going to be Bud Dupree. And, you know, I know a lot of people look at Bud Dupree's past production and say, you know, that's not a problem. You know, get the proven guy out there and we'll see what Epiketti can bring to the table. But anybody who's listened to this podcast over the last several months knows, you know, I am not the world's biggest Bud Dupree fan just because I think as a player, he's just kind of a rich man's Lorenzo Carter that at least as a pass rusher, he's winning with burst and and, and power and, and effort more so than stringing together pass rush moves. And that was one of the things why I liked the potential of Arnold Ebiketti, uh talking about his potential technical prowess as a pass rusher. We saw that on display against the Dolphins with that inside spin move that led to that sack strip late in the game. And if you've heard me talk about it on the podcast in the past, you know, I, I'm a big believer that in most cases, technique is going to be much more valuable for pass rushers than athleticism, unless you're like a genetic freak, like a Julius Peppers or a Ziggy Ansah or Trayvon Walker, why he was the number one pick a couple of years ago, but we'll see in terms of Arnold Ebiketti, right? You know, now getting to the question of whether, what was it that led to Ebiketti getting those fourth quarter snaps? It was mostly due to that was the Falcons primary pass rush package, which was a dime package against the Dolphins, right? That, you know, I estimated, I don't know the exact count, but they probably ran it about 15 times in that Dolphins game. And it was, you know, a three, two, six defense, right? With three down defensive linemen, two linebackers and six defensive backs that include three safeties and three corners. Clifford Chapman served as that dime safety, that third safety in that situation. And I imagine when we get to the regular season, right, that will be Jalen Hawkins serving as that third safety and potentially if and when Jeff Akuda comes back early in the year, you know, you may also see Trey Flowers play that role. That's kind of what he did in Cincinnati the last couple of seasons. So you, you may see those two guys in that sort of dime role as that sixth defensive back. Uh, in addition to the, you know, the five starters, uh, including nickel corner, which we assume is going to be the offer, but you know, you may, we may see Clark Phillips as well in that role. And so the three down linemen were two edges and one D tackle 
who the D tackle was playing at that nose tackle position rotated when the Falcons were utilizing, but it was exclusively D'Angelo Malone and Arnold Abichetti in the Dolphins game lining up in those edge rushers position. And again, in the final two minutes of the game with the Falcons having that 19 to three lead, wanting to pin their ears back and get after the quarterback. That's why you saw Arnold Abichetti and D'Angelo Malone playing late, right. And having those extra defensive bats on the field also were, you know, designed to help prevent the Dolphins from being able to generate those explosive plays to get back into the game. Um, but it was interesting to see that dime package because that's where you really saw the simulated pressures that we have been talking about at various points over the summer when talking about what Ryan Nielsen's defense is going to look like. And you saw that with those three down linemen and two linebackers mugged up in the A gaps next to the do, the defensive tackle to put five guys on the line of scrimmage. And sometimes that would be six guys on the line of scrimmage with Clifford Chapman, that dime safety also lining up on the line of scrimmage. And that's why, you know, you heard me jokingly reference that Ryan Nielsen is cheating because, you know, you have these five or six guys on the line of scrimmage. The offense doesn't know who's coming third string center, third string quarterback. They're not adjusting protections in the preseason. And so that's why the blitz was so effective against the Dolphins and is often so effective in the preseason because the, the third string guys can't make the adjustments that a starter would have the leeway and in, in wherewithal to make in those situations. But in those situations, when we talk about the simulated pressures, the Sims and creepers that you've heard me talk about a number of times, where they're talking about Dean Pease's defense last year or Ryan Nielsen's defense this year, right? That's where Typically, in the Sim case, you're playing man coverage on the back end, which the Falcons play a ton of that against the Dolphins, and you're bringing four guys, right? And you don't know which four of those five guys on the line of scrimmage are coming. And what often happens is you're dropping one of the D linemen and bringing one of the linebackers. And likely what you'll see is, uh, you know, Caden Ellis coming as that pass rusher you'll also see a healthy amount of Troy Anderson coming as that pass rusher and you'll drop one of the D linemen that's where you know players like Bud Dupree players like Lorenzo Carter who have experience you know playing in a 3-4 defense and dropping in the coverage have the experience you saw Arnold Evikitti getting those coverage reps against the Dolphins to allow him to have that opportunity in those situations as well so it'll be interesting to see sort of when the Falcons you know bring that pressure and how they utilize it who are going to be the three D linemen in those dime situations where they go to that three, two, six uh, sort of defense. We know Grady Jarrett's going to be one of those guys, but who are the other two guys? Is it going to be Campbell? Is it going to be Anyamata? Is it going to be Dupree, Carter, Ebiketti, all that and more. So we'll see all those guys probably get opportunities this year as well. Um, you know, sometimes the Falcons will bring not just four, but they'll bring five. I think the Clifford Chapman sack in that game was where one where they brought five and brought that, you know, had six guys on the line of scrimmage with Chapman as that dime safety being that extra defender and brought five of those guys uh, in that situation. So it'll be fascinating to watch how this plays out. This will be sort of a package. So that kind of explains why AK was getting those fourth quarter reps. And certainly we're hoping that AK will have an opportunity this year uh, to get those opportunities in uh, the fourth quarter of some regular season games when the Falcons are hopefully having some leads and he can pin his ears back like he did against the Dolphins in the preseason and get after the quarterback. But I am, it seems like, watching him get all that action on special teams makes me concerned that we will not see him at least at the beginning of the season, getting the bulk of those reps. Hopefully when he does get those opportunities, he'll make the most of it. And so maybe a month into the season, if maybe the Bud Dupree is kind of the fourth guy in their pass rush package, right. Uh, when, when they're out there alongside Campbell on Yamada and Jarrett, maybe AK will emerge and sort of overtake him 
at some point in the season. And we will get that opportunity to see that breakout season from Arnold Nebuchadne. But the fact that he was playing so much on special teams does give me a little bit of pause that at least the initial plan going into the regular season will be, we'll see more of those snaps going to Bud Dupree, but hopefully by the time we get to, you know, a certain point in the regular season, those snaps will be going to Arnold Nebuchadne because he's just too good to leave off the field. So we'll see how that all plays out. And we'll see if AK can give us some real juice as a pass rusher this year. And speaking of real juice, there's, you know, a lot of talk about, you know, Jalen Mayfield potentially taking over as the Falcons new swing tackle and talking about whether Jalen Mayfield has shown improvement. And we'll talk about what exactly he did show improvement on, if any, against the Dolphins and whether we should be getting a little bit, you know, maybe we should also be pumping the brakes on Jalen Mayfield's improvement. And we'll get into all of that, guys, to wrap up today's Locked on Falcons. So the question we ask is Jalen Mayfield getting better, right? He got a very favorable grade from pro football focus. And I'm sure many of you guys have seen the clips out there on Twitter and other places of showing Jalen Mayfield, you know, moving guys around on the ball uh, in the run game. And, and certainly that did happen in the game. You know, the film, the eye in the sky doesn't lie. And we heard this week beginning this week, and we talked about this a little bit with Adnan Ikich earlier on the podcast that, you know, Jalen Mayfield starting to get some snaps at left tackle in practice. And that's what you need to see from a guy that's going to be a swing tackle where he's going to have to have the ability to play both on the left and right side in the event of an injury to one of those starters of Jake Matthews and Caleb McGarry. Um, and, you know, I, I think when you see the PFF grade, you see some of those clips of Jalen Mayfield, you know, moving the line of scrimmage. The easy conclusion is that yes, Jalen Mayfield is better, but in the words of my, you know, Great friend, Lee Corso. Not so fast, my friends. Yes, I think those run blocks were absolutely impressive. I think we took note of that on Saturday's episode recapping the game. But what you probably didn't notice, if you don't have an eye for this, is that all of those plays that you saw Jalen Mayfield moving the pile were inside zone and duo plays, right? Um, and the reason why that matters is because those were the types of plays that Jalen Mayfield ran at Michigan in Michigan's gap scheme. Meanwhile, the Falcons you know, run an outside zone scheme. And the question was never about Jalen Mayfield's ability to fit in a gap scheme. We talked about this when we drafted him. This was one of the reasons why I had a big question about, about Jalen Mayfield is because he played in a scheme in college that was the antithesis of what the Falcons do, right? And we saw that play out as a rookie last year where Jalen Mayfield, even though he was an effective pass, uh, run blocker, right? I think you look at his PFF grade, he finished in the 60th percentile among guards, you know, compared to him finishing in the third percentile in terms of pass protection. But you did see a, a square peg in a round hole from a schematic standpoint. And I think even though we saw some positives from Jalen Mayfield in the Dolphins game, you still saw some of that, you know, square pegness when it came to the scheme fit, where due to the athletic limitations, you still have some major question marks about Jalen Mayfield's fit in the outside zone scheme. Because when the Falcons did run outside zone during the first uh, quarter or two when Jalen Mayfield was out there on the field, they mostly ran it to the left. When they did run it to the right, where Jalen Mayfield was lined up at that right tackle position, right, uh, you know, you saw still some of those athletic limitations. But when they ran it to the left, he was basically asked to be the sort of backside cut block. And essentially, he was asked to just get in the way to defend, to prevent that guy from sort of crashing down on the backside to stop the run and he effective, but he wasn't like the Falcons were really asking him to pull, you know, any major way. He just basically get in the way of the defender uh, for a few seconds. And, and that should allow the, the run to develop to the left side. And that matters because, you know, if you look at the PFF numbers from a year ago, 60% of the Falcons run scheme, according to them. And I don't think the numbers are, 
you know, 100% accurate, but they're probably within a few percentage points. So we'll go with them for the time being. 60% of the Falcons run scheme was outside zone last year. And about 35% of it was the inside zone in duo stuff that we were just talking about Jalen Mayfield doing at the collegiate level. And about 5% was other types of runs. And that outside zone is the bread and butter of this Falcons rushing success. And if you imagine Jalen Mayfield becomes the Falcons swing tackle and has to step into the lineup for a regular season game, are the Falcons going to lean in in terms of their outside zone run scheme, or are they going to have to go away to, for, to more of an inside zone because that's really what Jalen Mayfield does well. And you got to give credit to Arthur Smith, right? Because he, he, he knew he's just basically the, the, the inside zone duo stuff was working on that drive that resulted that resulted in the Godwin Iguabuka touchdown. That's where the majority of all these highlight clips from Jalen Mayfield came from. And he just basically said, I'm going to, you know, put this guy in a position to succeed. And again, that's all well and good for one drive in the preseason. But what happens in the regular season when you, you can't just do it for a single drive, right? Where you have to do it for 10 drives in a game, or you have to do it for 80 drives in a game if, say, a starter misses, you know, half the season due to injury. That completely changes how you want to play on offense. And why that's a concern for you is because you've heard me say this a thousand times on this podcast over the years, which is depth you know, is not having starting quality backups. It is having backups that you don't have to change how you play when they come into the lineup, when they come in for the replacements, right? And unfortunately for the Falcons, because of the concerns they have in terms of their offensive line and tackle depth, we don't know if we have that caliber of depth at the tackle position. You think we have it at the center or guard position because of the presence of Matt Hansey, even Ryan Newsel, who's starting to get first team reps this week, due to the injury to Drew Dahlman, although, you know, he missed a couple of days. Like, Newsel played in an outside zone scheme at App State, and a scheme that Dwayne Ledford initially installed a decade ago at App State, and that they've been running all, you know, ever since. And Newsel came up in that scheme, and that's one of the reasons why Newsel has shown the progression over the last couple of years, uh, because he is not a square peg in a round hole uh, in terms of improving in this uh, offensive scheme. And so, again, imagining a scenario where Jalen Mayfield is stepping in uh, you know, for a game or two for, you know, an injured Jake Matthews or an injured Caleb McGarry, you do wonder, are the Falcons going to have to go away from their bread and butter offensively in order to make that work with Jalen Mayfield? So we'll have to see, not to mention, you know, all the concerns you still have with Jalen Mayfield in the pass protection, right? You know, no one's going to show you highlights of Jalen Mayfield pass protecting from the Dolphins game because Emmanuel Agba got the better of him. And again, it's a challenge to have to face a caliber of player like Emmanuel Agba. But when you get to the regular season, those are going to be the guys that you line up against most weeks and most snaps. And so when you imagine, okay, what happens to the Falcons pass protections if Jalen Mayfield's in the lineup? Well, we know right now with Jake Matthews, a healthy Jake Matthews, the Falcons give Jake Matthews no help, right? And so they would have to completely change how they protect the quarterback in the event that Jake Matthews missed time and Jalen Mayfield was in inserting line or really anybody other than Jake Matthews, because you're almost certainly going to have to give that guy help. Caleb McGarry gets some help, right? But we're seeing Caleb McGarry kind of trended in a direction where the Falcons don't have to feel as compelled giving him help down in and down out. But it, you imagine a scenario based off of where Jalen Mayfield is as a pass protector that you couldn't do that. And you would have to keep the running backs and tight ends in to chip to help Jalen Mayfield. And, you know, if Kyle Pitts is chipping, Bijan Robinson is, is staying in the protect, then they're not going to be as big an asset in the passing game as we want them to be. We saw this play out last year where the Falcons, because they didn't have confidence in their offensive line's ability to protect uh, full-time, they played a lot of max protect. 
and running these two-man route concepts so that they can keep those extra blockers in to protect the quarterback. And we saw how limiting that was for the offense. Now, as the season progressed, we saw Arthur Smith showing a lot more confidence with the improved play of the offensive line and basically running the five and six man protections that are very common in the NFL. When you have that trust in your protection to hold up, would you have that same trust with a Jalen Mayfield or even a Josh miles or anybody other than Jake Matthews and Caleb McGarrett? That is a question. And so that gets back to the concern about depth, right? You can sit here and talk about Jalen Mayfield improving, but if he's not a good enough guy to, you know, the question is, it's not whether Jalen Mayfield is improved. It's whether he's good enough, right. To be an effective sub in and that's where the concern with the depth on the offensive line comes in right guys right and so we don't want to see this offense regress to where they were in the Mariota era we want to see this offense continue to evolve and progress and be able to be effective running five and six man protections and I don't know if Jalen Mayfield is quite there and again I know a lot of you guys are going to sit here and say Aaron you just hate Jalen Mayfield and you're always picking on him and it's again it's nothing personal against Jalen Mayfield I'm in fact actually rooting for Jalen Mayfield despite what you hear me talk about on this podcast like I think he was set up to fail uh and all the issues that he had going into his rookie season were exacerbated by poor decision making on this part of this coaching staff all summer long moving him to a new position, not giving him enough reps at the left guard position, all that and more that led to Jalen Mayfield having frankly a disastrous rookie season. Right. And maybe again, maybe not to say that Jalen Mayfield would have been good if they had made different choices, but maybe he could have been better had they made different choices along the way. So I think he was set up to fail as a rookie. Of course, his second season was basically wiped out by a, a back injury. And so maybe the Falcons were, are going to get that year two jump from Jalen Mayfield now in his third year. We've talked about this potentially before on the podcast. And, you know, giving Jalen Mayfield a quote-unquote real season to, of development under Dwayne Ledford, you know, that this is essentially his second season and giving him that full season, absolutely, I'm for, I'm for it. See what J, Dwayne Ledford can cook up for Jalen Mayfield, getting him a full second year uh, and the team learning from the mistakes that they made two years ago. But just seeing a couple of clips on – uh, Twitter and or seeing a positive pro football focus grade, I don't think is telling the complete story. And the Falcons depth at the offensive tackle position is still a major concern for all the reasons I just mentioned. And hopefully Jalen Mayfield over the next couple of games, along with Josh Miles, Barry Wesley, Tyler Vrabel, whoever else the Falcons have, you know, shows the amount of growth and play that they can be an effective outside zone runner, that they can be an effective pass protector so that we go into the regular season, not as concerned, about our offensive tackle depth. But if they don't, then the Falcons need to address this going into the season. And it's a similar issue uh, going back to the summer where they made the trade for Ty Sambrello, where they didn't have the tackle depth. Now, fortunately, you know, years after that, we we had Matt Gano sort of being that guy. We need to find a new Matt Gano is basically, I don't want to have another Ty Sambrello, no offense to Ty Sambrello, but uh, you know, we need to find a new Matt Gano. And Jalen Mayfield right now is not there yet. Right. Josh Miles is not there. Barry Wesley's not there. Tyler Vrabel's not there. And so hopefully that is going to be something to key on over the next couple of weeks uh, in the preseason to see if any of those guys get there. But I just wanted to put that out there again. We can push this Jalen Mayfield so much better and so much more comfortable at right tackle. But is he good enough for what the Falcons need at that position? I think the answer as of one preseason game is no. So keep an eye on that moving forward. I certainly will. Uh, and you guys can check out all of that stuff as you continue to make this podcast your first listen each and every day uh, by subscribing on YouTube or wherever you get yours. We'll be back tomorrow.
with your first listen talking or probably later today because I'm recording this Wednesday morning as opposed to uh, Tuesday evening as I usually do. Uh, I'm putting this out there. So later today you will get another episode, double dose of Lockdown Falcons on Wednesday uh, here on YouTube and elsewhere on your podcast feeds with Antoine Smitty Smith of Smitty Sports Machine and 95 North Show. We'll be talking about what he expects to see from the Falcons in this upcoming Bengals game and the position battles that he's focused on, such as wide receiver and elsewhere. So continue to make us your first listen. Check out Locked On Sports Atlanta and Locked On NFL for your second listen. Running backs are signing. Zeke Elliott, Dalvin Cook, our pass rusher is going to start signing. You know, what's going on with Chris Jones, all that stuff and more on Locked On NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.